everybody. Hi, guys. Well, from smoky Salt Lake City, Utah. It's Thank God I'm Atheist. The podcast. I'm Frank Feldman. And I'm Dan Beecher. And coming up on the show today, Dan, uh, we have a, we, we, we did an interview with somebody. Yeah. This is part of our ongoing uh, discussion about atheists in politics, and we actually found an atheist politician to talk to. Yeah. So we have him on the show in the second half. It's great. Really he's gonna, nice interview. Yeah, so, he's, he's going to inspire and, uh, and, and, and make you all feel excited yeah. about the political process and in the meantime ruin his own political uh, yeah. uh, career by appearing on our show. <laughs> and if you're local, you may know the name. Actually, you might know the name if you pay attention to certain issues, even outside of the state of Utah. Um, he's a man by the name of Derek Kitchen. So yeah. he's, he'll be coming on and he's a state senator. Uh, here in Utah, so yes, indeed, pretty cool. Dan, yeah, um, <laughs> I fucking love this story. So, oh. <laughs> so uh, the the headline um, caught my attention, but actually, if I, I can't read the headline because it totally it gives away just a, a, a wonderful uh, punchline. Um, so over in China, apparently they've been. Um, editing the bible i guess you could oh. say officially the the chinese communist party is uh they don't like the bible as is right and so uh, why they, would they i've they, <laughs> i've read a lot of the thing i think it's a terrible book well actually i mean here's the thing about the, the chinese communist party and sort of religion which yeah. is aside from the way that they treat religious people yeah i mean they're not wrong about the bible being <laughs> shitty and they're not wrong in their basic atheism it's just how they go about a lot of yeah. The, yeah. the stuff actually almost everything that has to do with religion um is a fucking nightmare in china yeah. Uh, and so anyway, so, but apparently for some reason, and I don't know why this would be necessary, but they had, there's a textbook, um, entitled professional ethics and the law. Oh, and for whatever reason, they felt the need to quote a story from the new Testament, right? Okay. Um, which just seems like surely there are other places <laughs> to look in this Sources. world for, 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 uh, uh, you know, stories about ethics. But they take the story of Jesus and the woman caught in adultery or Jesus and the woman taken in adultery. Sure. Um, that, that story, right? This is where the famous line of uh, the, uh, let he who is without sin be the first to cast the stone or something along sure. those lines. Um, and, uh, and, and, and he says this in the context of, um, what is it, a group of, of uh, Pharisees or whatever, right? Scribes and Pharisees and have, a big have angry brought mob. this woman. They've, 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 they interrupt Jesus while he's teaching. And they, they bring in a woman who's been accused of, uh, or, uh, of committing adultery, right? Yeah. Um, saying that she was caught in the very act. And they basically ask Jesus you know, um, about the, the mosaic law of, you know, supposed stoning, to kill her. stoning her to death. Right. Yeah. Um, that's what, being that's what, what you is, should do. That's the correct thing to that do. Is obviously the right answer. Right. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so they go through this whole story and he says his, like, he says the whole line, the person who's without sin should throw the first stone. And then right. the Pharisees, they sort of wither away. And, and then he says to the woman, 
in the Bible, he says, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Right. Or something along those lines, depending on which version of the Bible you're reading. Right. Um, but instead, this textbook has changed the outcome to say, when everyone left, Jesus stoned the woman to death himself, saying... <laughs> I am also a sinner, but if the law could only be enforced by men without blemish, the law would be dead. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. Wow. Uh, and then there's a, there's a question, you know, because it's a textbook. There has to be a question about this, sure. this story with a lesson that you just learned. It says, through this short story, how do you view the law? Oh, how wow. Ominous. How ominous. Yeah. <laughs> There's only one correct answer. You better get it you right. You better follow the China. fucking law. There's no, you know. Wow. You, 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 the, the higher ups. There's no shaming the higher ups by calling them out for hypocrisy. No. This is the lesson, right, that they're teaching. Is right. don't call us out for hypocrisy. You know the law. You better follow it because we don't care about the hypocrisy. We'll still punish you. Yeah, exactly. Right? And so, oh my god. Which is a which is actually the right lesson uh for anybody who's who's living under any sort of law. Uh <laughs> the people who are administering that law are not blameless and yeah. are not faultless. They'll still throw you in jail. <laughs> oh my God, Jesus! A story that's I, the supposed image... to be about compassion and and forgiveness and bloody bloody blah, blah, which of course <laughs> you know, sure. just some rando like Jesus. Who is he to like? This is the the uh, Chinese Communist Party, right? You know their perspective. Like, who is he to just like forgive somebody? I Fuck just no. love the image so much of everybody being like, oh, shit, he's right. And they all leave. And he's like, also, <laughs> just <laughs> boom, take that. Ha. Oh, well, needless to say, Christians are <laughs> outraged um, in this country and around the world. Uh, and they're but there's I mean, what can they do? Yeah. You know, well, there's, there's nothing that, that they can do. Um, I'm going to I'm going to release that version of the Bible. <laughs> the Chinese gonna, version, the, yeah. the official Chinese state version of the Bible. Well, I, you know, here's the thing. A, read the rest of your book. You yeah. can't be that outraged about it. Your The book itself is chock full of stuff that's crazy and immoral and oh, stuff. Just because your favorite uh, chapter and verse doesn't happen to be quite as immoral as the rest <laughs> of the book. Uh, yeah. And then so and then somebody turns around and sort of brings it in line with the rest of the book. Yeah, I think you you need to cool your jets a little bit. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to take us to New York where uh I don't know if you've heard of this. There's this global pandemic we've got on right now that we're still that we still have uh I don't know, not, Dan. I haven't left my house in like 9 months. I don't know what you're talking about. Right, exactly. There's, what's uh, going on outside my house? He, look, you and I do not live in uh New Zealand. We live in a, a, a country that has COVID. <laughs> And in many parts of this country, it's on the rise, including our own, including right little, here, yeah. little neck of the woods. It's uh, awesome. Yeah, our it's hospitals. Great. Are, we're at the point in like the uh, the wave where uh, now our hospitals are starting to fill up. Dan, did you see that news story? I think that's so great. What a what a fantastic mm -hmm. uh, little place we live in. Uh, mm -hmm. So yes, we. Uh, it's it's 
It's a shitty time. Uh, and one of the places where also cases are going up is New York. And oh yeah, here's the thing. Uh, they worked really hard to get him down. Mm-hmm. It was it's particularly difficult because it's just a so high density living. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's also particularly difficult when specific groups choose to ignore the uh, the safety mandates. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of those groups seems to have been Orthodox Jews. So the uh, the new the mayor of New York City, uh, Mayor Bill De Blasio, and Governor Andrew Cuomo of the state of New York uh, have decided to shut down schools in nine zip codes in Brooklyn and Queens. Which include, uh, which happen to be uh, places where a large number of uh, Orthodox Jews live and uh, send their kids to their yeshivas. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's been a bit of a it, look. They have not handled the whole uh, Jew thing very well. These guys. Uh, if you'll recall, I think we talked. We talked about it back in uh, April. I think. Um, the uh, De, De Blasio uh, got got in a big problem after he ordered the shutdown of a funeral for a Hasidic rabbi, uh, and basically drew a lot of criticism because uh, because he he wasn't specifically he wasn't specific enough in his targeting. He was basically like. Oh, you know, all these all these Orthodox Jews, they really need to get their act together. And it was just like, whoa, whoa, this is this was one group of people. You can't just call out everybody associated with them. Well, uh, they're in hot water again now, because even though this is a problematic community that has been uh, like not wearing masks properly and, Mm -hmm. you know, flouting the 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 uh, the you know, the rules, they are. Cuomo apparently displayed large images of uh, of unmasked Jews gathering in places using images from not this time. So like a, a photograph, for instance, from 2006 was one of the ones that he used to illustrate the problem. <laughs> so, so <laughs> just... Just not, not a lot of sense being uh, being employed well, on any part. They didn't from, have a mask on. Yeah, look did at they them. have a mask on? No. Look at how many unmasked the, the, <laughs> the Orthodox Jews there are. Nobody's yeah. wearing a mask. <laughs> so oh, that's amazing. Uh, there you go. So there, there. Oh. It. Let's just say that this is a tricky problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is one that I don't know if you've heard has hit. Uh, some important people in our country, <laughs> but yeah, uh, th- it could be handled better. Yeah. Yep. Dan. Yeah. Last week on the show, we talked about how uh, the police in Moscow, Idaho, yeah. uh, arrested some people after they sort of arrest, uh, resisted, um, and the, the police when they were asked to put masks on at a, at a public event, right? It was this religious group, this church group that was out there. Um, yeah, they were singing. They were singing, re- open air, uh, no masks on, and the city decided that they were going to enforce it. To crack right? down. And, yeah. uh, or enforce the, the mask mandate, right? Yeah. And so a couple of people got arrested. It wasn't because they they were like out there, you know, uh, being all churchy, 
which is right. how it's being spun. It was because they weren't wearing masks. Okay. It's because so we, there so were we rules and they were breaking them. And law. they were breaking them. Right. Well, that little story uh, broke big this week. Um, oh. And it got spread all around. Right. And so uh, the, the one of the main groups to really spread it uh, was the Young Americans for Liberty, which is a student activism organization <laughs> thing. Um, Doesn't and this, sound good. It, I'm just going to say and, uh, I and, would normally like liberty <laughs> and I like young people. But that doesn't sound like it's yeah. a, a thing so, that I'm going to enjoy. So they said, um, if uh, if you would have, whoever posted it says, if you would have told me in 2019 that we were just one year away from Americans being arrested for holding outdoor church services, I would have thought you to be insane. <laughs> well, this gets picked up by Donald Trump, who then retweets it without right. probably even watching the video. Um, and he he says, Dems want to shut your churches down permanently. <laughs> Hope you see what is happening. Vote now. Right? Yeah. And that's his whole thing. It's just like, vote now. Vote, vote, vote. vote. Exclamation vote, point. Vote now and vote often is, is his kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So, it's like I said before, not because of the fucking, like, like the fact that yeah. they were Christians. It was all because of the masks. Like, but this is, it, it's, they're just running with it. And so, so then uh, Eric Trump um, oh. decided that he uh, needed to, uh, well, he was on the radio in North Dakota, right? Oh, Being they shouldn't let him do that. I know. He's, definitely he's not the Eric one. Trump. And so he says um, that um, he was kind of asked to list off some of his father's accomplishments. And he he says that his father has literally saved Christianity in the US. And they and and he falsely of course claimed that Democrats want to attack, you know, Christianity. Right. Um and um and and so and he's talking about like this war on faith and he says I mean the Democratic Party the far left has become the party of quote unquote atheists wow um, they're totally fine keeping liquor store open liquor stores open but they want to close churches all over the country right <laughs> and so this thing like the it's so stupid right like. Like it's just the 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 dumbest possible attack. No, who can possibly like like? Here's the thing, right? Like, like who actually believes this shit aside from like a few crazies deep in their base? Oh no, they all. There's so many right wing people want to paint the left as just being this atheist hellscape. You know, yeah, they you try, com but completely like disregarding the like. Yeah, that big atheist Joe Biden that we just nominated to be our the <laughs> that, candidate that for Catholic president. atheist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a uh, it it's they're the the nice thing about the position that they that the right has put themselves in currently is that they don't have to agree with themselves about anything. Yeah. They get to just say anything they want, contradict it ten minutes later. Yeah. And nobody gets to call them on it. It's just they—they they just get to slide on everything. It's—it's it's it's, kind of amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's unreal. 
Oh, I, you know, I, I, my last story was about New York. I'm going to stay in, uh, in the state of New York where, uh, one of the largest Catholic dioceses in the country, mm. uh, exists. This is the diocese of Rockville center. Mm. Uh, and they, you know, I don't know if you know this, but every now and then, and it's very, very rare, it seems to have almost never happened, the Catholic Church has apparently had a bit of a trouble with priests uh, raping children. Oh, yeah? Uh, so that that story broke. I, I don't know if you caught it. It's uh, It was it was kind of a big wait, wait, deal. Wait, wait. priests <laughs> raping children? Yeah, it's. I know you're shocked to hear about it. I mean, and no, nobody's heard of such a thing. It's like the last person I would expect, <laughs> right? Weird. Uh, here's the thing, uh, New York. Re, you remember we we talked about this last year, but New York actually opened it up such that uh, they 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 canceled the statute of limitations for those crimes for the for a year they basically said you you've got one year go ahead and uh and file charges even if it goes all the way back you know even if you're 80 years old and you were raped mm, you know right so long ago anyway uh yeah a few people took them up on it uh so this particular catholic diocese has been so inundated with new uh with with new allegations uh and new lawsuits that literally they are filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. Unbelievable. Uh, they have already paid out more than $62 million Jesus. Uh, in, uh, in, in restitution to sex abuse survivors. <laughs> um, that's split between approximately 350 survivors. So it's not like anybody's getting wealthy off of this thing. You know, that's no, under no. $200,000 uh, $200, per person. Yeah, but it's a chunk of change though and, it, and 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 mainly right what's important here is that the catholic church is being held accountable right for their their um their 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 um for not holding They're, these priests accountable right and for not for not yeah exactly right uh and for that, not and protecting the children that exactly, are, were in their right? charge exactly uh, unfortunately, the, so because of COVID, the uh, the uh, sort of amnesty of, or, or the the delaying or or or, or re removing of the uh, statute of limitations was extended into in August all the way to mid January, hmm. and so there are enough people still coming forward that yes, the uh, the diocese has declared bankruptcy, which is not. Awesome. Uh, I mean, it's great that, that the diocese is being is being destroyed by this because fuck them. I don't give a fuck about them. But that means that a bunch of the new uh, victims that are coming forward may well get they they, they probably won't get a jury trial, mm. and they and they will probably get um, even less money mm. in damages. Mm. So that kind of sucks. Uh, but you know, just. Get abused by uh, by by a less abusey uh, diocese if you want to get your money. That's the takeaway. That's no, that's a bad takeaway. That's Don't a do terrible that. takeaway. Don't, yeah, no, I. Ooh, but God. it does suck. I feel really. I I I feel for all of these uh, victims. There's still uh, there one lawyer represents uh, at apparently seventy three 
uh, victims, and uh, yeah. and is saying and is saying what you know what's to become of them? Right. Why you know now that well, the church is deciding not to, uh, they shouldn't be allowed to seek protection. Legitimate, yeah. like because this is this is this doesn't. So when you go bankrupt, it doesn't mean that you're out of money and you're now insolvent and you shut down, shut your doors and go away, right? Right. And sell off all your your goods, right? It means yeah. you're protected, right? I mean, you see, yeah. it's in the it's in the phrasing of the whole thing. You're like now you get to be restructured and pay off and 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 write off a lot of debts and whatnot, right? Like, yeah, that's this generally... wasn't that they made bad choices corp with their corporate, you know, with with how they handled their their corporation, right? This was this is criminal, yeah, behavior. They should that not they're be being held accountable yeah. for. They should not be allowed to go into bankruptcy over that they should have to sell stuff off they should have they should literally have to dissolve their organization like that that is the pun that is the punishment that is what should happen yeah exactly god that made me mad dan well it made me mad too yep all right but um, you still have to do your next thing so yeah I, i do i'll get through it dan um so the uh, this is this is a drum i've been beating a little bit and i apologize everybody but i it's it's just something fascinating to watch which is how mormon how the the, the mormon population has sort of it, it responds to donald trump right and right. specifically what a group of them is trying to do this uh, election by trying to bring as many more members of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints over to the biden camp and to vote for joe biden right right and this is this they are impressing me more and more right with with sort of their ability to get their message out and uh the the fact that they are now the way they got headlines this week is they have just launched an a list online um that where 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 people have signed on um other mormons are signing on basically a letter right that's posted online on this website Mm. talking about their support of biden why they support biden and the sort of the threats that that trump poses to to the nation and whatnot and i'm just like rock on people like i love this um they um they've gotten some fairly high profile uh names um yeah. they have um somebody you, you know jim bennett um yes. has has um he's he's signed on to it now Son granted of, a former uh a, a republican senator, senator bob <laughs> bennett yeah um and also the grandson of a senator Willie, uh, another senator uh wallace bennett i didn't know that Correct. one Um, But then they have like a a Pulitzer Prize winning historian by the name of Laurel Thatcher Ulrich. Mm -hmm. Um, They have a New York Times bestselling author named Shannon Hale. Um, They have. I I went to high school with her. Oh, seriously. Uh Um, They and and they also have some Democratic politicians who are Mormon um, here in 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 Salt Lake um, and in in the Valley. Um, who've signed on and nice and it's like they're they're really trying their hardest to give permission to mormons to just not vote for trump 
and yeah. to vote for a Democrat, which is so difficult. I don't know why it has to be so fucking difficult. I'm a registered fucking Republican. <laughs> Much to my yeah, chagrin. But that's, but that's just a trick. <laughs> it's only so I can vote in primaries. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it has nothing to do with my actual political beliefs. But nonetheless, um, I it's this is about, and they, they keep beating this drum they keep beating this drum um which is that there are two hundred thousand mormons in florida roughly and there are roughly two hundred thousand in arizona and they're like right. if we can get a 15 point shift amongst that population for biden um they're they're saying that um that's uh that would be an, a margin of sixty thousand votes and uh, it could make that's a over half of what Florida was decided by in 2016, right? Yeah. So they're they're they they are doing their best, and I'm just I have to take my hat off to them for for rallying so hard. Um, and uh, of course, nobody sees Utah flipping, um, but Trump <laughs> no. is ahead, according to this, only by ten points in Utah. Does that which sound is right? decisive? Yeah. So that's uh, that's what I've been seeing. <laughs> Which is I, which still I is a big win, but like that is that is that's a not minuscule. That is not the margin he should be getting in the state of Utah. No, not no. as a Republican yeah. running for president. Nope, wow. absolutely not. We're running for so hooray for that. <sighs> hey, speaking of that, yeah. that fella Trump. Oh, uh, he uh, he's he's typhoid Mary, man. That dude is <laughs> patient fucking zero. It's and, unreal. Uh, and uh yeah he's got he's got the covid yep and uh everybody that's ever come in contact with him seems to be dropping like flies did, did you including <laughs> a bunch of uh a bunch of religious leaders oh, what were yeah. you gonna say no i was gonna say did you see the whole thing about the isolation cart in the in the west wing that like <laughs> it's there's instructions on like um if you if you if you have a meeting with the president this is what you do Right, and oh it, my God. it includes putting on like hospital gowns and respirators and like, like yeah. <laughs> and all this stuff. And it's like if you get within six feet of him, you have to take off all of your clothes basically and just burn <laughs> them. Um, like unbelievable because he's holding meetings. He's yeah. calling his staff into the Oval Office as uh, <laughs> the horrible infectious person. Anyway, oh your my thing. God. Uh, so yeah, so. Before that, though, like the super spreader event we now seem to know was this uh, was uh, the White House Rose Garden ceremony in which uh, they announced um, Coney Barrett, 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 Amy Coney Barrett as the uh, as the uh, the the Supreme Court nominee. Well, in attendance were a bunch of uh, religious people who we now I mean, we know that God is protecting all of them. So they should be safe, right? Like that's that's what I heard. That's their entire contention, right? <laughs> but unfortunately, Reverend John Jenkins, who was uh who's the president of Notre Dame, the University of Notre Dame, and Pastor Greg Laurie of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California, uh they all got it. Oh, the Dunn got the COVID. I love it. Now it's not just them, uh the other pastors who uh, who weren't in attendance at the Rose Garden, but have been to plenty of other 
Trump events have gotten it, including John Hagee, oh, really? senior pastor of uh, of Cornerstone Church in San Antonio. Oh. He uh, he got it. His his son made the announcement uh, oh, and no. repeatedly called his own father Pastor Hagee, which I thought was very very strange. Yeah, but uh, yes, yeah. he uh, he announced that uh, that Pastor Hagee had uh, had had gotten it. Now now Hagee. Wasn't at the Rose Garden event, but was fairly recently uh, at, at at another um, Trump event. I can't remember what it was. I'm not finding it. Anyway, this is also the guy, let's not forget, Pastor Hagee, who said that uh, atheism never healed a disease at one point. He said that, which, <laughs> guess what? Also never healed a disease. Your thing. Uh <laughs> Yeah, this is also the guy that, like, you know, said that uh, Hurricane Katrina was a judgment because of gay pride parades. And, yeah, he's a real piece of shit. <laughs> and uh, I am experiencing what I will call epicaricacy, which I don't know if you know that word, mm. but is uh, is the English version of schadenfreude. Because fuck oh. all of them. I'm glad they all got it. I hope a few of them get really, really sick and epicaricy? feel terrible. Epicaricacy. Er, epicaricacy. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Epicaricacy. Yeah. That's a nice That's, word. I didn't know we had that word. I didn't either. It's 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 considered archaic and rare, but I uh, I learned it recently and and you're bringing feel it, it back. I feel it frequently, so I'm I'm going to. Although that might be the name of this episode, Dan. Epicaricacy. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I, it it is very rare that the English word for something is more of a mouthful than the German word for the thing. <laughs> and Schadenfreude funny. is 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 no is no small thing to wrap your mouth around. No. But epicaricacy is a big deal. Indeed. Anyway, uh, listen. If you are experiencing epicaricacy or would like to shame us for hours, feel free to write into us podcast at thankgodimatheist.com or call and leave us a voicemail. The telephone number is 424-666-8442. Stick around. There's more show coming up. Hey, Dan. Yeah. Um, you suggested this video, and it's really somebody I'd prefer not to play. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> It it will be audio for so for our audience so that they don't have to look Ooh. at her. But yeah, this is this is Michelle Bachman. Oh, she's uh, just the worst. We thought we had gotten rid of her when she when she was no longer a, a senator from the great state of Minnesota. But nope, she's back. Oh yeah, and she's she's got shit to say. And let me tell you something. Uh, she 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 is narrow focused her focus is <laughs> narrow i'm just gonna say uh she has a sense of what's wrong with our country and uh and specifically with her state of minnesota and she uh she wants to talk about it so let's let her what has changed in the last decade though that that you would say that you've seen there uh that's that's made such a significant impact on the culture I would say probably the main thing is, the, as would be true anywhere else, a loss of reverence for God and mm. of the things of God. 
and a loss of reverence for his word and the truth of his word and turning away from the truths of his words to our own ways. And that brings us to a place of emptiness, ultimately yeah. sorrow and sadness. And I think that's happened here in Minnesota as well. Also, the embrace of false gods, because the first commandment is very important. And again, this is not to be legalistic. These are the laws that God gave to Moses for our good, not for legalism, to say that I am the Lord thy God. You know, thou will have no other gods before me. I'm the God that brought you out of Egypt. Yeah. And so what God is saying is that we are to worship him and him alone, to know who he is, his attributes and his strengths. And in Minnesota, I think that there's been a turning away from that even from mainline churches, even from other churches where we don't necessarily revere the truth of his word. And instead, we've, many people have come to the Minnesota area that are not believers of the book. They're not Jewish or not Christian. That's not to say that God doesn't love all people. He does. Right. But when people embrace false gods, that brings an element into your society. And, you know, 30 years ago, we could say that there are false gods and that we shouldn't worship them. Today, it seems like we're not allowed to say that because that's considered not inclusive or not diverse enough. Right. But the fact is the word of God says that there's only one God to whom we serve. And there are false gods now here in the state of Minnesota. I mean, this is a problem, Dan, in a lot of places. Like we're seeing a lot of yeah. people move in from California, right oh. here in Utah. Like, like it's, it's, you know, these newcomers, Dan, with their with their different ways with their false gods <laughs> their well false it's gods. not it's not the californians that she's reverencing uh, you'll notice that she did a list of people of the book mm -hmm. and said jewish and christian yep. and then seems to have stopped short of one of the people uh, of the, the book uh, the third one <laughs> the third one uh because she's totally 100 percent referencing muslims yeah. and she she rejects the look they believe in the same god as you you dumb person she is <laughs> she she it's the same yeah fucking god a lot they just add name. one no <laughs> it means it's just god it's just god they they believe in moses yep same as you they believe in abraham same as you mm -hmm. uh they just add a little bit of of color and flavor uh to to your same gumbo so the fact but she is just mad as hell about their false god yeah. what i like is she can't paint us with that i mean as much as she wants to uh we don't worship a false god oh, yeah we so, do damn she's you she's got to be can, happy you can about come us. up with a like false gods don't have to be like an actual god god you know she could make something up about how we you know worship science <laughs> you know or yeah something. i'm sure she would say something like yeah. that but but the fact of the matter is i got no gods so ha on you. You're, there you go, it's a You're a lot more likely to be worshiping a false god than I am. Mm. So, you know, if we're just going by uh, by by, what are the odds, it's it's on you. <laughs> well, we had some folks write into us. Uh, we, uh, let me just, uh, let's see. Melanie wrote into us first. Uh, Hi, friends. She starts. Uh, I started listening in January when I caught up on the How To Heretic. I started at the very beginning, and when the pandemic hit, this podcast was an incredible source of comfort. I was reminded of horrible things we've already successfully weathered, and we came out okay. Hmm. So it helps me believe that we can weather the rough, the rough things we're going through now. Hmm. 
I'm on episode 410, so I'm closing in on catching up. Yeah, you're getting there. I, it's always a, ma a, a bafflement to us when uh, when someone actually goes through the whole back catalog. But go get them, Tiger. Anyway, <laughs> she says, here's my question. I live in central Orem in Utah Valley. Oh. The Mormonist place in the world. Yeah. I don't like to look like a Mormon. I like people to recognize on site that I'm not a Mormon. This is easy to do in the summer with some decolletage and porn shoulders. That's For those of you who don't know, that's just shoulders, but they're not covered by cloth. So uh, in Mormon terms, yeah. Uh, but it gets difficult in the cold. I'm wondering if I should start wearing an enormous cross necklace just to separate me from the momos. Any ideas? Thanks for all the hard work, Melanie. Uh, you just carry around a Starbucks wherever you go. Right. That or uh, how do you feel about face tattoos? <laughs> that might that would definitely do it. That would uh, help. Yeah. I mean, there's... I don't know about the cross. That send, that feels like it sends the wrong message. Yeah, I feel like couldn't this just be achieved with a color palette? Right. Like don't like. <laughs> yeah. Like Mormons yeah, tend very... to like. Just go, just go really dark. Just dress all in black. They're not going to yeah, go for that at a, all. A lot of black, yeah. a lot of like scarlet red sort of thing. They're not going to, they're not going to be mm -hmm. into uh, more eye makeup maybe than mm, than you would normally yeah. expect. I think that might, yeah, like really go smoky eye, like really smoky eye, right? I I, I like that. Um, uh, yeah, it's tricky uh, in the winter time. <laughs> uh, how about this? Just say fuck a lot. <laughs> That'll do it. That'll 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 uh, that'll solve the problem. There you go. Uh, this is from Michael from Michigan, who says, "Hey Frank and Dan, the podcast's recent call to action gave me good reason to contact you about a website I've been working on for the past month and a half or so." www.ballotdropoffbox.com. Hmm. Uh, www oh. I was laid off due to COVID, so in order to teach myself a new skill and give back to my fellow Americans, I created a website that will allow the user to input their state, county, and or jurisdiction, and it will tell you where you can drop off your ballot so that you don't have to mail it. Look at that! Every location is on the website is accompanied by a source to the government website, news article, or other reliable publication. Yeah. Where's Utah? I think that's great. Yeah, uh, he said. Little did I know that when that when undertaking this project, the publicity uh, would be the most difficult part. <laughs> uh, so yes, we are we're, we're happy to signal boost you. I yeah. went and checked it out. It's pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, uh, Michael points out. He says I have not finished collecting all the data for every state yet, but I have completed most swing states. Okay, yeah. And plan to do the rest uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, I just hope I'm you not too late. Your... I'm looking at it right now. This is fantastic. Yeah. Well so done, ballot man. Balletdropoffbox.com. Go go ahead and check it out if you uh, if you are looking for a place to drop off your your ballot and don't want to trust the U.S. mail, which might not be a bad idea i know i am not going to trust the u.s mail uh for this particular round of voting right so there you go yeah, um that's pretty slick well so, done so well well done michael uh hi frank and dan this is from katie i'm responding to your call to action in a recent episode about uh running for elected office nice i'm in denver and as of a cursory look at the requirements for candidacy, city council, but uh, open to whatever is most attainable, I believe I qualify. 
I'd love to get some support from you guys and your network of mentors on the process. Nice. Thanks for all you do and for finally giving me the guts to take the next step in a pipe pipe dream I've had for years. Uh, Fantastic. So, Katie, uh, I, I did write back to you, but... Uh, we, uh, we, you know, we don't have the wheels in the wheels are in motion, but we don't have everything up and running just yet. Yeah. So, uh, well, I would say, I, um, just, just check on the website, maybe check back on the website if, if it's not like perfect yet and, and doesn't have all the resources that we're, we're hoping to get up there very soon. But in the meantime, there should be a way for you to, um, um, just, you know, be able to sign up for us to be able to get back in touch with you. Um, yeah. as things get sort of added onto the website, that's, that's kind of where we're working right now is like, okay, well, let's, obviously people are very interested. Let's, let's collect up the people who might want to hear back from us on this topic. So, so yeah. just check it out on the website. Yep. All right. Uh, we've got, I'm going to start us off. We, we had one, uh, one-time contributor, oh, Will, nice. uh, gave us a, a one-time donation. So you, Will, are now a, uh, a deacon. In the ironic priesthood, congratulations for that. Absolutely. Uh, and do you have some people you want to tell us about? I do for sure. There are two new patrons on Patreon. These people went to thankgodimatheist.com and clicked on the support tab. Um, there is a new deacon by the name of Jill. Jill, you're going to be passing out that sacrament just, just um. as, soon as, as soon as can be. <laughs> uh, and then uh, we have a new teacher uh, by the name of Brad. And he's going to be up there setting up the sacrament so oh, the <laughs> lord love you both thank you so much <laughs> mormon priesthood all right and then as always dan we have our top donor to thank our lord and savior davis well frank yeah Look, we started a conversation uh, mm. that maybe we shouldn't have. We've gotten ourselves into some hot water because it's <laughs> we it's going to require that, us. Dan. I know it's going to require us to do some stuff, now and, uh, yeah. and I, I think we're committed to it. Uh, so here's the deal: we talk, we have talked in past few episodes about wanting to get atheists uh, and and humanists, people, nuns, non, people of our the non-believers, stripe, right? <clears throat> the people non-believers committed to secularism. Indeed, to run for office. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking mostly in these United States, but for our international listen- listeners, we want to uh, encourage that as well. Um, it's less of, a, of an issue in a lot of foreign countries, uh, foreign to us. However, uh, you know, we, you and I, Frank, have never run for office. We don't no. know anything about it. So we brought on somebody who does. Yeah. Uh, so, isn't yeah, that a like, good idea? No, it's, it's, we, we, we're doing <clears throat> something, Dan. I know, I know. We're gonna we're gonna keep doing it. So, uh, welcome to the show, Derek Kitchen. Hi, great to be here. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, you guys living at home, uh, listening at home, that is. Derek is a uh, a Utah State Senator here in the great state of Utah. As well, he's a former uh, member of the Salt Lake City Council, and uh, and kind of if you've heard the name Kitchen, you may have heard it uh, sort of around the country because at one point that name was uh was on a lawsuit against our governor gary herbert uh for uh and that went all the way to the supreme court uh derek why don't you tell us quickly just about about that endeavor 
Sure. And uh, thanks to the both of you for inviting me on. I'm really excited to be here today and uh, look forward to the conversation. Um, and to the listeners, of course, thanks for engaging in this really exciting topic, especially uh, in this day and age when uh, we need more and more people than ever to get engaged in politics. So I'm excited about this dialogue. Um, yeah. As you mentioned, I was involved in uh, a lawsuit that was known as Kitchen versus Herbert. Uh, me being Derek Kitchen and Herbert being the governor of the state of Utah. This was a lawsuit that uh, was filed back in 2013. And in it, I took the state of Utah to court in federal court uh, and challenged um, Utah's uh, Utah's state constitutional ban on gay marriage, uh, which I ultimately prevailed in in challenging and uh, overturned um, marriage bans in five western states, known as the Tenth Circuit Court, uh, the Tenth Circuit, which is Utah, Colorado, uh, Wyoming, Oklahoma, New Mexico, uh, and so yeah. yeah, that was that's sort of the long and the short of it. It was an amazing time. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I be honest with you? I did not expect much to come out of that particular lawsuit and it just kept advancing and then comes the verdict and you caught you kind of caught the uh the state with its pants down in that they had forgotten to file a a thing a a stay or something no wait somehow somehow you you made it so that every every gay couple in utah could get married like right then like yeah it was awesome (laughs) Yeah, that was, pretty, that was pretty exciting. I mean, because that was four days before Christmas in yeah. 2013. And yeah, and so that opened up the floodgates, you know, just a few days before the holiday. And uh, about 1,700 people got married uh-huh. um, in that short window. Um, and you're right, the state of Utah was caught with its pants down. Um, they they went to court and argued, um, to you know, in defense of the, the marriage ban um, and sort of had this hubris to them in the point to the point where they they didn't feel like they had to go through all of the uh, traditional nuts and bolts of uh, defending, you know, their law. So they never filed a stay, uh, assuming that they would naturally um you know be the victors in the case but it right. turns out with our judge uh we made a really compelling argument and um he found and it was upheld by the the tenth circuit and the supreme court uh that utah had violated our constitutional rights by preventing uh, myself and my partner at the time uh from marrying yeah it was an amazing moment it was yeah. a crazy time uh i was actually in canada hmm. when that initial verdict came down and I kept seeing on Facebook, everybody was like, go get married. Everybody, you can go get married. And I was like, no, you can't. You guys, don't let, don't get, you've misunderstood something. Because this is Utah, and you're gay, and there's no way, you wait, you can? Yeah. It was shocking it was and awesome and amazing. So, uh, from there, uh, suddenly your name had some notoriety, which I think is awesome. And you decided that this was not where your activism decided was going to stop, that you were going to be civically engaged. Uh, and you ran for uh, city council. Tell me, tell us a little bit about what that looked like, what, uh, what it felt like to be a candidate for the first time. Uh, what, what went, what craziness went through your mind? <laughs> What were you thinking? <laughs> yeah, you know, I ask myself that same question sometimes, Dan. <laughs> um, you know, okay, so the, the lawsuit itself went on for about 18 months. You know, the appeal process took a year and a half or so. Right. Uh, once that was all said and done, um, 
you know, I, I, I stepped back and started to plan a wedding and, you know, and, and got back to regular life uh, to some degree. But I'll tell you what, man, you know, getting involved uh, as an activist or, or in, in any way, really, but getting involved in, in the lawsuit itself and being successful there and seeing how my effort there uh, made a positive impact, not only for my life and, and and the people that I know and love, my friends and other LGBTQ members here in the community, but it also positively impacted complete strangers as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. You know, other gay, lesbian, trans people from around the state and around the country that yeah. were all of a sudden, um, A, allowed to marry and be treated equally under the law, uh, but also hopefully empowered uh, themselves uh, to step up uh, and to participate in, in meaningful ways yeah. uh, in, in our civic life and, and to know that your voice and your effort can actually be fruitful. I'll tell you what, that experience is I don't know if addictive is the right word, but it completely <laughs> made me feel empowered in a way that I wanted to keep doing more of it. Right. I love I, it. So um, there was an opening on the Salt Lake City Council. And, you know, I, I'm also a business owner and, and I am pretty closely engaged with the Chamber of Commerce and other uh, small business enterprises. And um, and in my district, I got a lot of encouragement from not only the activists on social social justice movements, uh, but the business owners that were saying, "Hey, man, you got to jump in this race. We need somebody like you in, in politics." And and so I had a lot of encouragement, a lot of name recognition, and um, and and thought, you know what? Why not? Let's let's run. Let's throw my hat in the ring and and see where this goes. Um, and uh, I ultimately prevailed in that endeavor of running for city council and became the. Uh, the youngest city council member uh, uh, on Salt Lake City's uh, council. About halfway through my first term, uh, we had a few new um, elected officials join the council. And uh, at one point for about two years, half of Salt Lake City's local government was a member of the LGBTQ community. So we had three council members and our mayor that, you know, out of uh, eight elected officials, four of them were LGBTQ. And I think that that's kind of a badge of honor for a place like Salt Lake City, you know. So if you're not from Utah, if you're not from Salt Lake, you you may have a, you may presuppose that, you know, we're this, you know, uh, religious sort of place, you know, obviously with the the headquarters of the LDS faith here and and, uh, just sort of our reputation. But it was, uh, you know, it's nice to see that we have a really forward thinking uh, local government and that the electorate at large uh, is eager to support folks from the minority groups uh, in in local government and 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 sort of look past our identities as members of the LGBTQ community and 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 vote for us based on our merits and our qualifications. Um, so at any rate, I, I really enjoyed my my tenure on the city council. Um, I was elected in 2015 um, and uh, joined leadership. I was the the chair of our city's redevelopment authority, which uh, taught me a lot about um, you know land development. And building neighborhoods and uh, and working with communities to change the the trajectory of, of their neighborhoods um, and so I, I really enjoyed my time at, at the local governmental level and we could dive into the dirty details there as well in a minute if you'd like um, but yeah and then in 2018 uh, after serving a term in the city council I um, once again was presented with a really unique opportunity in a vacancy at the state legislative level uh, where there was an opening in the Senate district that I lived in. 
And, um, and so I received once again, a number of phone calls and uh, a lot of encouragement from my friends and family and other community members uh, to run for the, the Utah State Senate. And so in 2018, I launched that campaign. It was a very competitive race. Uh, but in November of that year, I, I prevailed in my effort and became um, one of six Democrats elected to the Utah State Senate. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you, you, it's lonely up there uh, on, lonely, on yeah. Capitol Hill with, uh, with, with being a Democrat in Utah. So tell us, here's one of the one of the things that fascinates me is uh, the idea of, and you know, you you like you said, you did have some name recognition. Uh, you you had some some people around the uh, uh, you know the business community who knew you. How would a person who wants to get engaged, wants to be involved, maybe wants to run for office themselves. How what what would you say are, are are the building blocks for that? How do they how do they start to make the connections that they need to make? Who what what does a good candidate look like? Yeah, I mean that's a great question. Um and just to take it head on, you know, what does a good candidate look like? It's uh a regular person from the community who wants to step into a leadership role and has has a vision or an idea of what government should look like, how it should operate, and what issues need to be discussed by your representatives. And so that could be anybody. Um, anybody can be a good candidate. Um, I would say that if you're interested in getting involved in politics, um, it's important to start getting involved as much as po possible right now. And that might look like showing up at a, a community council meetings, neighborhood council meetings. It might uh, look like uh, working with your county assessor and, you know, trying to understand issues with regard to property tax valuation. And there's all kinds of unique ways that you can sort of inch your way into the operation of local government. Um, hmm. But you really got to start educating yourself. And you do that by just diving in feet first. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it's important to, uh, you know, like like you mentioned, I had a little bit of name ID uh, and that helps, of course. But man, I'll tell you, a lot of politicians get into this game without ever having made a name for themselves before. Right. And so the way you do that is by constantly engaging with your neighborhood and with the constituents of the district that you're looking to represent. And so that means, you know, showing up at the farmer's market. That means showing up at uh, public comment, you know, hearings uh, at your city council meeting or your county council meeting or your legislative office. It means making phone calls to your existing, um, you know, elected representatives uh, what it looks like talking to business owners, uh, people who have been around for a long time and, and understanding what issues impact them from the government right. uh, and how you, I guess the point is you want to educate yourself and network yourself as much as possible. Um, and so, yeah, and that's what I enjoy most about campaigning, to be quite frank with you. Uh, it's not begging for money. It's not begging for votes necessarily that I, lo that I love. It's getting to know people. It's knocking on doors and asking them, you know, how is the city working for you? How is the state working for you? What could be improved? What's confusing? Uh, one thing that I find is that uh, a lot of people, even those who fancy themselves politically astute, don't understand the difference between city council county council or state hmm. government hmm. 
And so I think, you know, as a candidate, you need to be well versed in what what the differences are. Um, and, and then, you know, I find it really enjoyable to be just a knowledge base for, you know, the community and for my neighbors, you know, and, and so to be able to answer questions or point them in the right direction when they've got an issue with the water department or when, you know, the neighbor across the street has left their couch on their front lawn for five weeks and they're pissed off, right? Like, like, <laughs> How do you engage with government in meaningful ways? Um, and, and that's sort of what you learn uh, as you're a candidate, as you're an elected official. And, uh, and it's something that I would encourage everybody to start educating themselves on, um, you know, if they're interested in, in at least exploring the possibility of running for public office one day. Yeah. So did, so when you ran for uh, for city council, were you knocking doors? Were you going door to door? Is that oh, thing yeah. That- yeah. I, I peppered this district probably three times. Um, and so, yeah, I, I knocked on doors and I did it strategically, of course. There's um, public public information about voters exists, meaning I can pull a list of who's registered. That way I'm not wasting my time knocking on doors of, of people who don't ever engage in politics. You know, right. you got to be really strategic with your time. Um and so, yeah, I mean, I, I went and I spoke to registered voters and uh, and again, I asked them those questions that I mentioned a minute ago. How How is the city working? What frustrations do you have? What excitements do you have? What do you want to see changed? And I'll tell you, most of the time, it's like just complaints about basic things like the streetlight down the way that isn't working or oh, interesting. You know, we really wish we had a stop sign right here and we've emailed the city a dozen times and nothing happens. And, you know, those like basic frustrations that we all experience, right? Right, with with our communities and, sure. and so you learn a lot about your 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 community and your neighborhood when you get out there and pound the pavement like that but um and it does again it takes a certain personality to engage with uh, with people um constantly back to back like that but um if you've got it in you i, I encourage you to run for office because even if you come up short on the election and let's say you fail you learn so much, not only about, you know, again, your neighbors and your constituents in the community, um, but you learn about yourself. You know, you learn where your 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 vulnerabilities are. Uh, you learn how to public speak in meaningful ways. You learn how to formulate a response to a question you didn't quite you know all the nuts and bolts too uh but you know just enough to be dangerous right like you learn how to think on your feet in a a new way and and so i think running for office win or lose is 100 percent worth it always i'm kind of curious like um when you're out there um you know you're you're canvassing you're going door to door um and and articles that were being you know that would show up in the in the tribune and everything there was awareness about you know the fact that you're gay right Mm -hmm. Um, but like, I, it was, it was kind of news to me, uh, when, when, uh, when Dan was like, oh, we should, we should get Derek Kitchen on the show. Um, because he, he was, he'd had conversations with you about, you know, your non-belief. And, and so I'm just wondering how, like when these issues come up, how do you handle them as a candidate, as a politician, you know? As far as you know, being a queer person or being an atheist or or those yeah. sort of like hot buttons, yeah, like, you know, social like, issues. Like, yeah, do these do these do they come up? Do people bring up these issues, or have you just basically found that? I mean, I know it's a pretty liberal district that you're in, but like, does the electorate? How does the electorate tend to to respond? You know. Yeah, no. I, so at the city council level and, and at the legislative level as well, uh, you know, obviously city council, smaller district, the legislative mm-hmm. level, I have a much larger district represent about 120,000 people. So 
the issues are totally different. Um, but that being said, my constituents never have brought up the fact that I'm I'm a gay man or identify as a gay man. Uh, I think partly because it's just known. It's such a known fact about my my personality and my 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 character in the community is that I'm a gay mm-hmm. person that, I mean, it's, it's just sort of, it's, it's bygone, right? Uh, it's already there. So nobody ever brings it up. Um, uh, and I'd be happy to talk to them if they ever did, of course, you know, cause that's just such a, a deeply ingrained part of, of, of who I am as a person that, mm-hmm. um, you know, that it, it shouldn't be an issue. Um, but it does inform my experience with the law, historically speaking, right around gay marriage. Mm. It does inform my understanding of what it's like to grow up in the suburbs of a pretty conservative, you know, state, you know, uh, a very heavily religious, uh, Mormon community. So there are certain elements of my upbringing and my lived experience that are deeply informed by the fact that I'm that I'm a gay man right mm-hmm. but yeah but did you ever did you ever consider the uh, the Republican gay candidate thing of just not being gay <laughs> <laughs> No, just I, I didn't consider that. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's probably best. It's probably for the best. It doesn't seem to work out for, well for the, for people who try that. <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right on that one. And but you know, yeah. then well, after, after the gay marriage thing, it'd probably be hard to. It'd be hard to get away from that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, the atheist thing is another sort of can of worms. Yeah. Um, because even those who are maybe not of the predominant religion around here, let's say Mormons, right? Let's say they're Catholic right. or Protestant or whatever it may be. There's a there, people still affiliate themselves frequently with with an identified religion and it's usually just because of that's you know that's how they've been you know brought up by their parents and and, uh, various elements of their community right um yeah being an atheist is never really been something that i put a lot of thought into you know once once (laughs) you decide and you sort of Put enough, you know. Once you make the investment in brain power to to think about these sort of existential questions and the meaning of life and all of that, right? Once you put in that power or that that work and you you're empowered with your own narrative, your own beliefs, it, it, it's sort of just a, a fact of the matter, right? And so I, I guess the atheist thing never really comes up. I will say it's sort of awkward when I'm in my legislative meetings and they like to open, you know, the business with a prayer. or something like that right like that always makes me feel a little uncomfortable you know last year my my senate leadership they asked if i would like to recommend a constituent to come in and give a prayer and it's like no but i don't (laughs) want my constituents either to be left out of you know the rotation and so it's like how can i do this in a way that meets my values but also doesn't write somebody off simply because they have affiliated themselves with the you know, a more mainstream religion. Right. And so, right. What was your solution? What? what? Okay. So (laughs) I invited uh, a friend to come give sort of more of a blessing, uh, you know, not non-religious, non-God oriented um, blessing for the legislature to conduct their work with transparency and ethics and and reminding them that they're accountable to the constituents that elected them. And, and, you know, I mean, it was a not God prayer. Yeah. How did did it go over? Okay. I mean, like, yeah. And and this is the thing is you don't make, you don't make a splash about it. You say like, who's going to come in for quote unquote prayer. Okay. I'll, I'll invite somebody for prayer, (laughs) you know, and then they, and then they just do it. And you just, you don't, you don't make, you don't make heads or tails of it for them. You just let them draw their own conclusions. And, and that's sort of like ninja politics, right? (laughs) Right. 
Well, and if you ever want, uh, if 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 the opportunity comes up again, uh, I'd be happy to suggest some people who who could well, do. What about you, Dan? <laughs> okay, <laughs> if you want, I'll I'll come in. I'll do a prayer. You don't want that, Derek. <laughs> I mean, what? What? I would do a perfectly lovely invocation. <laughs> But, you know, I think, I think anyway. that question was really interesting just because, you know, what do, what do my constituents make of these sort of, you know, hot button issues, right? Yeah. And, right. and, I, and I will say that, you know, I, I don't broadcast my non-belief. It's not something I bring up in conversation. It doesn't matter to me. It should be out of politics anyway, right? Right. So, right. But one thing that was really interesting is our local newspaper about a year ago or so, they were just analyzing the makeup, the uh, religious makeup of the Utah legislature. Sure. And uh, and they published an article that talked about how over the last decade or so, the Utah legislature has gotten more Mormon. Oh, my God. Affiliation. Is that possible? Just as the state (laughs) itself, the demographics of the state have become more and more non-believing and diverse right so the 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 tone of the of the article and i'll send you a link uh was basically like how is it that when a state like utah is becoming more diverse we're getting younger and less and less religious how is it that simultaneously the legislature becomes more white more male and more mormon Um, you know and that's 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 part of yeah that's part of why we started the initiative that we started because that's the same trend that's happening nationwide the country as a on, on as a whole is getting increasingly uh non secular uh, we've got people you know it probably somewhere in the 20 to 25% of our country can do not affiliate with uh, an organized religion so the fact that we don't have a single, you know, atheist senator or, or you know, uh, House of Represent- Representative on the national level in this country, there might be, you know, there might be one or two who say they're humanist. But it's that this should this is non-representative anymore. So we need to be doing something uh, as a group, as a as a, you know, we're not an organized group. We're not. Unfortunately, we're not like the Mormons who are an organization with a lot of money and a lot of power, and they can just sort of push things through. But we're a group that has a voice that, that, that doesn't seem to be using it at this point. Well, and I think that brings up just sort of a, a uh, deeply ingrained uh, design flaw with being an atheist generally. I mean, what leads you down that path typically is an attitude uh, and sort of um, a way of life where you don't necessarily want to... You don't need this sort of group think uh, or the group validation, right? right? So it's it, you've got that sort of structural flaw built in. Mm. So it's going to be hard to organize at, equal to what a religion might organize because it's not part of our blood in that way. Right. We're we're not joiners by nature. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's a problem. But it's something that we need to work through because we need Derek people like you out there, you know looking out for uh for those of us who who don't want the government to be controlled by jesus or whatever you know what i mean uh and 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 so i are there sort of to wrap things up are there some words of encouragement or words that you can offer to anyone out there who wants to get more engaged more involved with tell i mean i i loved how inspired you seemed to have been 
when you first started to see some uh, some some real success with this stuff. Tell tell people what they what they can look forward to. Uh, with with greater engagement in our political system. Well, politics, like many you know volunteer jobs, uh, is a thankless effort, and so you got to be prepared for people to be mad at you for no reason. You got to be prepared to spend you know time devoted to topics that you may or may not be interested in. Um, mm-hmm. You know because you're there to serve and you're there to make a difference in your community at the city level or the county level or the school board level. Um, or, you know, in a legislative, you know, seat. Uh, and so just sort of be prepared for some work that you may or may, you may not enjoy. However, you know, being a part of your government, having a voice at the table of decision making, you know, that truly impacts the day in and day out experience uh, of yourself and your neighbors and the people that you love in your community that is an incredibly fulfilling and, and enriching sort of uh, sentiment to carry around. It's very prideful, right? You get to experience a great deal of joy from that role. Um, I will say as well, you got to do it fearlessly. You, you know, if you're going to get in, go, you know, jump in, go, you know, balls to the wall, so to speak, and, and don't be afraid, you know, speak your truth. You know, if you're frustrated about something, speak your frustration. If you're excited about something, you know, be excited and share that joy. Um, if you don't know something, don't be afraid to say, I don't know, let me find out or, you know, just sort of take that like can do attitude um, and do it and run. And like I said earlier, at the end of the day, win or lose, <laughs> running for public office has been in my two experiences, one of the, you know, probably at the top of the list of those experiences that have allowed me to to personally grow um, you know, emotionally grow. There's a lot of emotional growth. There's a lot of um, spiritual growth, and of course, you just learn. So that's growth as well. So I, I just think you know it's a good experience overall, um, and I'm a better person because of it. Um, and so I would encourage you if you've been thinking about it, or if you know it's you know, something that you've you know had conversations with your friends or your spouse about, just decide. To, you know, put, look at the next election and, and make a commitment to run. I love that's it. Awesome. You may be the only person I know who's an actual politician who I believe when they say politics made me a better person. I, that's a, it's, a, it's a shocking revelation, but I actually believe it. So uh, I love it. Thank you so much, Derek, for coming on the yeah, show. We really so appreciate much. you. Hey, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll, if you send us that link to that article, we'll put that on the show notes. And, uh, and, and uh hopefully we'll uh we're trying to to get some resources together for people who want to run uh i'm going to include you at least in on some level as as a resource that we are going to keep in our back pocket for people <laughs> uh but thank you so much for uh for being a part of this we really appreciate thank it. thank you guys for having me i appreciate the conversation take care if you would like to heed the call and uh and join up in 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 the fight for for more representation in uh for our community please uh write to us podcast at thankgodimatheist.com and let us know about it or call and leave us a voicemail message the telephone number is 424-666-8442 yeah go to the facebook page facebook.com slash tgiatheist and click on that like button and while you're on facebook Search for the TGIA Members Only Lounge and request to join. It is a closed group. Uh, we will let you in. Also find us on Twitter at TGIAtheist. And you know what? If you like what you hear on the show, you can you can sign up and be... If you like what you hear on the show, please 
uh, support us. Um, you can do so by going to thankgodimatheist.com, clicking on the support tab, following it on over to either PayPal or Patreon. We've got multiple ways for you to sign up. And, and it really, we are truly a listener-supported show. We do need your help. And uh, Give us your money! <laughs> Hey, uh, thanks so much to the Red Rock Hot Club for all of, for the use of their music. And a big thanks goes out to Gordon Johnston for the use of his music. And thanks to all of you for lending your ears. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.